Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Dr. Matt Brown and Dr. Micah Carter. We hope you will find gospel-centered answers to your questions about theology and the Christian life. And now, we welcome you to the Gospel Rain Conversation. Welcome back to the Gospel Rain Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt, and uh, getting a chance to sit across the table from Micah in the studio hello, today, hello. Uh, getting a chance to record, and we're very thankful for you uh, being back with us on the podcast today. So we're, we started a series uh, just last time on the Baptist faith and message, and we did a little bit of an intro. And so if you're interested in going back uh, and listening to uh, the intro where the Baptist Faith and Message came from, you can find the previous um, uh, Gospel Rain episode. But now we're we're fast-forwarding a little bit into the, the first article of the Baptist Faith and Message and uh, and what it's about. It, it's about the subject of the Scriptures, and it's a, it's a good a long paragraph about what we believe as Southern Baptists uh, about the Scriptures. And so, Micah, if you don't mind, I'm just going gonna to read yeah. um, at least part of this uh, article. And, uh, and then we'll talk through it. Article number one is on the scriptures, and it says, The Holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It's a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end and truth, without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us, and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All Scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. I love it. There's a lot in that yeah. paragraph. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot that the Bible says about itself and right. claims uh, in the scripture about itself, so love it. Let's start just sort of walk through this a little bit, and let's explain what some of these things are, and why we think, why you believe some of these statements are made the way that they are, because they're worded really specifically. They are, and I'll just say at the jump, I think it's appropriate to start the articles of faith with a, an article on scripture. Yeah, the scripture yeah, is our divine authority. Yeah. It is, it is you know, our reservoir of knowledge of God and His ways and His character. Uh, and much like, uh, you know, when you and I teach systematic theology, I've debated whether or not do I start with the doctrine of God, do I start with the yeah. doctrine of Scripture? Yeah. But I always start with the doctrine of Scripture because I think that's where we're going to, that's just going to be our source book for whatever categories of information that we're going to be talking about through all of Christian theology. Yeah. So I think I think it was really intentionally um, uh, a good move all throughout the, you know the history of this statement to start with scripture. Yeah, I agree. Because very practically speaking, if you're gonna, I talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit last time. If I'm gonna say some things about the the Holy Spirit and what mm-hmm. I believe about Him and what He does, you need to at first know where I stand on the scriptures that I'm gonna be using to to base my understanding of the Holy Spirit. Right? Do I believe that those are true? Right. Do I believe that these are inerrant? Do I, what do I believe about the Scripture that I'm now going to use as a proof for my belief in the Holy Spirit? So it right. just sort of found, forms a good foundation for us going forward to talk about these other things. Yeah. So talk about it. Uh, let's just walk through it real quick. You said, to begin with, though, there are some, because uh, we said we would do a little bit of this comparative thing between sure. the different uh, versions of the Baptist faith, the message. So, has this always said the same thing, and has it, or has it changed over time? The sixty-three and the two thousand contain all of the original statement. 
What is different is in the 63, they added two, they added one sentence and another phrase. And then the 2000 made two corrections and added its own third okay. phrase. Okay. So they've got the heart of the original 25, all of it. And then they makes, they tinker with some things in some pretty important ways. You think of it, but is that because of, uh Cultural necessity is why they tinkered with that. Yeah, and cultural necessity, but also, uh, let's say it this way, shifting theological tides. Okay. Okay. Uh, For example, all of them begin the same way with the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired. But out of the jump, when the amendments (laughs) come, it already starts to change. Mm. So 63, listen to this, and then how the 2000 amended it. 63 says, and is the record of God's revelation of himself to man. Mm -hmm. The record. Mm -hmm. 2000 changed it to say, and is God's revelation of himself to man. So let's talk about that. Explain the difference, yeah. Okay. (laughs) The record. um, So anybody who has studied church history and theological studies uh, since Karl Barth and Rudolf Bultmann and a lot of those German scholars were writing... um, it, there, there was a movement called neo-orthodoxy mm-hmm. that they were reacting against a liberal Christianity and and deconstructing the Bible to basically throw out a bunch of stuff except what you want to hold is important mm-hmm. because there were errors in the Bible. It was claimed and there were problems. So 63 came back with basically a neo-orthodox statement that the Bible essentially contains God's revelation of himself mm-hmm. to man. Well, Where? And how do you right, arbitrate? That's problematic, mm-hmm. right? Because I think if you held this, I think if you held this statement, if this held the day for two thousand, mm-hmm. and in the context that we're in, dealing with homosexuality, transgenderism, intersectionality, all of this stuff, the argument would have to be made that there are parts of the Bible that they it just they're not inspired. That's right. That the God, this is a a record of God's revelation, but you got to, for lack of a better term. Find the kernel yeah. and shuck the husk. Or things off. that were inspired yep. but have changed yep. because of culture. Yep. I mean, right now we have we got we've got politicians right now that are saying that very thing. Yeah. That yeah. I am a Christian, but I am a homosexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they 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 look at the Bible differently, and because right. the Bible clearly says, and we could talk about all this all day long, but Bible clearly says homosexuality is an abomination, those kind of things. Well, we have people uh, who call themselves Christians today who look at that and go, "Well, that's not right anymore. Right. I mean, things right. have changed, times have changed, and so that's not right anymore. We don't have to follow that." But I'm still a Christian, and I hold to the Bible. Right. Well, right. then the question is, like you said, well, which parts of it? You yeah. believe that the Bible is, it, that there are parts of it that contain yeah. God's revelation. It's not that the whole thing and is if you, if you, if your principle, guiding principle, is the priesthood of the believer mm-hmm. and soul competency. That's right. And then you get to the end of the, the article, the 63 adds this sentence, the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to, you're going to import a whole lot of content yep. into your interpretation by that statement. That's right. So the 2000 committee came back and said, no, we, we're not going to say it's a record of God's revelation. We're going to say the Bible is God's revelation of himself to humanity. And that may seem like a subtle difference, and maybe it is, but it spoke volumes at the time. Yes. Because, you know, in seminaries that were holding this kind of theological principle of being the record of God's revelation, um, you were really having lots of trouble with... Um, 
not necessarily an anti-supernaturalism, but you, you, there were a lot of questions on, is God's Word reliable? Is God's Word inerrant? Is yeah. God's Word infallible? Those, those kinds of things that we've come to know to be very important distinctions of our doctrine of Scripture. Yeah, and that's a good yeah. distinction you make as to the, the reliability mm-hmm. of Scripture. Mm-hmm. If it contains God's Word and if it is God's revelation, those are two totally different things because then you need to—it needs to be established how reliable is every single word. If it's not reliable in the words on the page— then what can I believe in? What can I? What should I not believe? Or what right. should I trust as reliable? What should I not? If it's not all God's inspired revelation, yeah. so pick and choose. Then you really pick and choose, and that causes some issues. And we've had a lot of issues with this in the past with a lot of our seminaries and professors who are who are you know who can who can sign a document to say I will teach the Bible. And they believe in some sense that they are teaching the Bible right. because they simply believe it's a record or it contains God's Word that way. So if it's got contradictions, if it's got problems, that's then right. who cares? It's a record. That's right. I, and I can throw out the things that I don't, I don't want. and I can. And so it comes down to a, a, an issue of interpretation and all those right. kind of things, which is why for a lot of years our seminaries were, were full of liberal professors producing liberal pastors yeah. who believed that the Bible was simply a record. Now, you take the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. You can mark that by 1979, the mm-hmm. appointment of Adrian Rogers as the president of Southern Baptist Convention. From 79 to 99, 20 years, 20 years it took to to really bring the fruit of the conservative resurgence into back into our confessional document. Mm, that's a good point. So there's one statement and that that they added in 2000 to clarify that therefore all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. Mm. That's not in the 25 or the 63. All scripture is totally true and trustworthy. Now all of them retain that phrase without any mixture of error for its matter, but Still, people danced around that, yeah. you know, and so the 2000 committee felt like we needed we needed a strong, more strongly tip our hat to uh, total truthfulness, total trustworthiness as an inerrant scripture. Yeah. You so know? let me ask you this as a as a theologian, explain this just a little bit. So, without any mi- mixture of error, okay, mm-hmm. we we you, we have a theological term for that, inerrant, mm-hmm. right? Without error. So explain just briefly, and we've we've had a we've done a previous podcast on this a long time ago about sort of what we mean by inerrancy and in right. original documents and all that kind of stuff. But for somebody who's just sort of reading the Baptist Faith and Message to say this is what we believe, okay? Explain what this means when it comes to without any mixture of error, when we have different translations out there and people that are going to sit here and they say, okay, I'm a Southern Baptist. I want to know, okay, if this is what I believe, I believe this, but I read this and it sounds different in different translations. So how do we address that just real practically and very don't take a lot of time, but what is the issue there when it comes to without any mixture of error and then we have to deal with translations? Well, I think if, if it's a, if the scripture is a perfect treasure of divine instruction, and the major purpose of Scripture, as it's defined in, in each edition, is salvation for its end. Then there's a way in which you could you could back this statement into, well, if we're talking about salvation, of course it's, it's true and trustworthy mm-hmm. without any mixture of error. In other words, you're, you're not going to walk away from, even though some people try to walk away from the Scripture, with uh, salvation by works understanding. That's right. That's, that's not accurate. 
But I'm curious, and I don't know if this was in the mind of the committee, the 2000 committee, but take, for example, some of the some of the tensions between modern-day science and biblical text. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Bible wrong on scientific matters? Mm-hmm. It's definitely, there. there's definitely distinctions going on. Yeah. So when you say the Bible is is without any mixture of error and you know science might say one thing but you you think the scripture concludes another to say that the scripture is totally true and trustworthy uh, helps us as they as they define in the preamble as an, how do we interpret scripture according to um, the right principles is truly totally true and trustworthy so inerrancy as you, you as we talked about before when they were writing the Hebrew and Greek documents, God was superintending that process in such a way that not only was, were the people inspired, but the product was inspired, That's too. Right. And the transmission of those documents through copying and translation of different languages and stuff, um, you know, can muddy the water on a lot of interpretive matters. And, you know, the history of translations has shown us that. Yeah. You know, it really has. So uh, we need to understand what we mean by the Scripture, what yeah. do we mean by an inerrant Scripture, and then... Don't put that burden on necessarily translations. That's right. You know, translations are either more faithful or less faithful. That's right. To the original. Yeah, there's text. a there's a difference in the two, and so this is why we did that previous podcast a long time ago about the issues of translation, and and it can be it can get deeper, much deeper than that. But I just want us to 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 see to, for those who may be reading the Baptist Faith Message, maybe even for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, to study it. Uh, you know, with us sort of guiding a little bit, I, I want you want us to understand that there's some there's some there's some issues with some of these things, yeah, yeah. with some of these phrases, which is why they're in here, right. which is why it's worded very specifically because of the things that we've we've dealt with. So, going from there, it, so we talk about without any mixture of error for its matter, mm-hmm. uh, totally true and trustworthy, which you've talked about. And then it goes on to say it reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union. I like that. So explain sort of what we're talking about here. Yeah, we, we have a we have a basis for our unity. We have a basis for our theology that arises from Scripture. Hmm. Now, we understand that, that okay, so th- when we're doing like theological triage, yeah, in the same way if someone goes into the emergency room, that uh, nurses and administrators are going to do a triage that we're going to deal with the gunshot wound to the chest before we're going to deal with the hangnail that's that's infected. So theological triage is the same way. We recognize that there are some doctrines of the Bible that are core doctrines that if you don't affirm these doctrines, you're not a Christian. That's right. But there are degrees of interpretive um, understanding on some of these things like the millennium Mm -hmm. and you know, whatever, a variety of different things, that that we are going to say at the very start, the center of our conversation, the basis of our conversation is Scripture. Yes. And we're going to agree and affirm the truth of it, um, and we're going to rally around it together. Also, like the end of that sentence, if you kept keep reading, it's the supreme standard by which all human conduct creeds and religious opinion should be tried. Uh, that if if I have an interpretation or if I have an opinion then the scripture is the arbitrator, not a not a different interpretation. The scripture is the arbitrator of truth. Mm. And um, I don't know. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think real practically, what we can say is, 
they're like this triage you're you're talking about. So we can say, uh, looking at other folks who would call themselves Christians, we can have a conversation with them, and we can say, all right, if if we both believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, yeah, okay, yeah, we believe the Scripture teaches that, okay, so that forms the basis for our fellowship, okay, right. So if you don't believe that, and I do. We can't fellowship together. I mean, there's no worship. We can't worship because we're not worshiping the same God if we don't believe that's true. Okay, right. we, if we don't, we don't agree on that critical tier one primary theological issue. Then, then we're not going to be able to operate together, serve together, fellowship together, worship together. Okay. Right. Then you mentioned issues of the difference of opinion when it comes to the millennium. Okay, the rapture or something like that. So we talk about that and we go, okay. Well, Scripture does teach us some things there about yeah, all that, it does. Mm-hmm. but but there's an area for disagreement there. That's sort of that second tier, third tier kind of thing, as you're talking about triage. To go, okay, that's not as important there. All right, yeah. I mean, we can agree to disagree there, and we can have fun, and we can debate that, we can laugh at each other, but that's really not one of those top tier kind of things. Well, mm-hmm. it's not that we don't believe the Scripture says anything about it. It just becomes matters of interpretation for us because it's a little bit more difficult to to determine there. Yeah. So yeah. we understand we this is so when it comes to fellowship and worship, we can say, oh yeah, we can fellowship together, even though we don't believe the same thing on the millennium. We fellowship together because we have the same Savior. Right. We have established that foundational issue, but but at the same time, we realize we can agree to disagree here. We can fellowship. We can worship. We can serve together even though we disagree. So the scripture in as a like in this article here is meant to sort of de- develop a, a a body of of uh, of of teachings to mm-hmm. say these are the things that will help unify us and if we're not together on these primary issues then that's going to that's going to affect our fellowship. That's going to affect our union that's with right. each other. That's right. And let me give you let me walk through that a little bit more in terms of so we talked about first order issues like um justification by faith. Mm-hmm. Th- those things apart from which you can't be a Christian. The millennium I would say would be a third order issue mm-hmm. that uh, you'll be in the same church and have people disagree, but we're still unified in the text. This sure. is the way I see it and it's not ultimately core critical, but a second order issue would be baptism. Mm -hmm. And you take, for example, Southern Baptists hold and ascribe to the Bible's teaching of believer's baptism. That's right. So we don't, as a convention of churches or as local churches that I'm aware of in any any sense, would baptize infants. Now, uh, do we believe that brothers and sisters in different churches and denominations that that do baptize infants are Christians. Yes, mm-hmm. we do, because they hold to the first order doctrines and commitments that we do. Yet we're going to we're going to and I actually think this is a strong case for denominationalism. We're going to we're going to break ourselves into alignments where we're not going to be in a local church fighting about the truth of this all That's the right. time. That's right. And so uh there's unity in a congregation that understands Believers' baptism. There's unity in a church that adopts infant baptism. Although I may disagree with that, they hold to that, and there are views for that. You know, I don't. I'm just going to tip my hat. I don't think there are very strong views for um, pedo baptism, mm-hmm. um, but they're there. You know, and people do make biblical cases for it. Uh, not very well. They yeah. make biblical cases for it, <laughs> right? Uh, but but in other words, you know, that's why we can go to something like T4G. And you see an Al Mohler and a Ligon Duncan and a Mark Dever, you know, right. 
united in fellowship and deep love for one another and promotion of the gospel side by side, even though they're going to go to different churches. That's right. On Sunday. That's right. Convictionally. Yeah. And yeah. and belong to different denominations and yep. and and have uh, a host of different views on some other things. But there are things that do unite us. Yeah. So yeah. this is a this is a great paragraph to sort of get us started as to what unifies us. But it goes on from there, and and it talks about the the supreme standard. But then it says that the very last uh, the very last sentence of the the paragraph says, "All Scripture is a testimony to Christ." Who is himself the focus of divine revelation? Boom. Now, yeah. This has that. This idea has changed. Has this idea changed any since twenty five? I'm I'm asking. Is that sentence worded the same as it, in? It's not even in the twenty five. Okay. Yep. It, it's completely added. Now let let let's try to let's see if we can give a generous reading to the sixty three. Okay. The sixty three says the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. Do you think they were trying to say what the 2000 said, all scriptures a testimony to Christ who is the focus of divine revelation? Because I much more like the 2000 than I do the 63. Yeah. You know? I I I think they Maybe. were attempting to get at the same thing. Yeah. But I just think the words are more precise. Much more precise and less less able to be twisted yes to a more individualistic um Interpretation of Scripture. Yeah, and this honestly. is a good right. This is a good lesson for us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we should always be able to come back to what we've said or what we've written, and say, okay, do I need to be a little bit more precise there? Do I need to? Do I need to change that. Do I need to? Do I need to tinker with the way that I approach that subject back then? Yeah. Can I can I say that differently or better because of the the culture that I'm living in? Or because, you know, I think there's always a, a way that we can sort of. Uh, we can be a little bit more precise. We can we can cut a little bit more precisely, without doubt. And I think, you know, the, and there's you've heard this before, and I've I've, I've heard this too. That um, <laughs> are the red letters more inspired than the black letters? And one of the reasons why I'm not a fan of red letter Bibles is because people try to pit Jesus against Paul and Jesus yep. against Moses and everything. But then when you read Luke 24. And this is where the criterion I think they're talking about comes yeah, from, the yeah. testimony to Christ I think the 2000s come from, is that all Scripture, all that Moses wrote, the prophets and the writings, testify about me. Hmm. I mean, when you go back and you preach Jonah, uh, preach Jonah, yeah. but you can't, you can't stop at just Jonah. That's right. <laughs> you know, because right. the Gospels talk about Jesus being in the belly of the earth for three days and, and all this stuff, so there is... There is this pointing to, as the writer of Hebrews says, what we're looking at in the Old Testament are shadows, and the true substance is in Christ. Mm. I think that's what they're trying to say, but when you say it in a kind of loosey-goosey way on the criterion is Jesus, then you get this, well, this is what what Jesus said, this is what Jesus didn't say. Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Paul's just, he's hell-bent on, you know, homosexuality. So Jesus is right, Paul is wrong. That's what happens. But when you say all Scripture is a testimony to, tr- to Christ and he's the focus of divine revelation, well, that is fulfillment language, and that, that is absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, and, and it is an interpretive scheme because I would argue the whole Bible is Christian Scripture. I agree. I mean, it's progressing toward fulfillment. Yeah, and I would think we would say that as Southern Baptists is to say we believe ultimately and very practically speaking, we believe that everything in the Bible is written about Jesus. 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. not every scripture is going to mention his name. We right. know that. Right. Um, but we look back, but it's as if, um, you know, Charles Spurgeon once said, whatever whatever scripture I read, if it's Old Testament scripture, it doesn't make any difference. I read the scripture, and then I make a beeline to the cross. I make That's a right. beeline to Jesus, right? right? So we understand that, and you said that that is an interpretive scheme, but we believe that that's the way to read the Bible. We read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. Yeah. That's what Jesus was doing when he came. He was the the new covenant, right, the new covenant in his blood, so that everything is to be interpreted through him. Mm-hmm. So in a real sense, when we read the Scripture, we believe Old and New Testaments are, are, are all inspired by God, but it is a testimony to Christ, no matter where we're reading. That's it. Um, and that's a that's a real careful distinction, but I think that's really um, important to say that we as Southern Baptists, that's where we stand. I mean, even you think even Paul, when Paul boiled it down to, what am I about? I preach Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Paul who would have been preaching Old Testament texts. That's right. And yet his conclusion is, that's I'm right. preaching Christ and him crucified. So there, there. That's the model I think for us as we look at the scriptures. Is I want to make sure I understand what was Moses saying, what was what was Joshua saying, what was you know mm-hmm. um, Ecclesiastes saying in the progress of Revelation, but don't leave it hanging there because it is pointing to a, a fulfillment. Yeah, that's what Philip did in the book of Acts, right? Yeah, he sat exactly. down with the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot, <laughs> yeah. and he's reading Isaiah, doesn't understand it. Philip says, hey, let's... So he reads that, and he's, he starts... It says he starts there with Isaiah, mm-hmm. and then he shares Jesus with him mm-hmm. to show how Jesus is actually the fulfillment of a passage in Isaiah. So he started there and shared that, that a whole thing was about him. Yeah. So that's the way that we are. We understand this that that Jesus is the is the testimony of Scripture. And I I do I do hope that that non Baptists view Baptists as people of the book. We really love the Bible. Uh, we don't worship the Bible. I think that's a criticism. Yeah. Of us at times because we are we we bleed Bible. Yeah. I mean it's just it's our basis. It's our uh, everything. But we worship Christ. I mean, Christ right. is—he—he's all in all. But the Scripture is this. I love—I love the statement. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction, mm. and that's you know that's pointing us even greater to Christ, who is our true treasure. I like that. And that. This helps at least form a basis for us going forward. Talk about the Baptist faith and message. We're going to talk about a lot of things. Yeah. In uh, in the episodes to come, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of on and on and on and on it yeah. goes. There's a lot of them, and we're going to talk through this, but we at least establish our foundation here that we trust and believe the scriptures. That's right, and that's where our teaching is going to come from. That's right, that's right, man. Great, great episode, and uh, you know, a lot of times we try to end our podcast with certain segments about things that uh, that we like to do. One of those segments is one more thing. Uh, Matt, how about this? Let's let's do one more thing in this way. Since we're talking about the doctrine of scripture, uh, could you could you boil it down to your favorite scripture? If there was one more thing, could you say, "Well, all right, this is one. This, this is, if not my favorite, at least one of my favorites." Yeah. Okay, I can try. Um, so I, I I've I've all right. <laughs> That's hard to do. It is. That's really hard to do. Okay, there's a lot of them. Um, or say, right, or let me just say it right now, right, right now, mm-hmm. this point in my life, this season of my life. <laughs> um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture comes at the end of, uh, of, of Colossians, 
It's Colossians chapter 1, and it's verse 28 and 29. And it's sort of, I guess, people have life verses. This is sort of a, yeah. like a ministry verse for me. This is sort, sort of what drives me. Uh, I, shared with the, my, I shared this with my church recently. Uh, Paul says, we proclaim him, meaning Jesus, mm-hmm. warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then he says, I labor for this striving with his strength that works powerfully within me. Mm-hmm. Uh, two great verses where Paul is basically saying, it is my purpose in life to proclaim Jesus, mm-hmm. and in doing so, making disciples of people, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that Paul felt a real responsibility here to say, so that I may present every man mature in Christ. So as a, as a pastor, I sort of see that as my role, is that I'm working diligently to make disciples, mature disciples of people, so that in good conscience I can present those people to Christ as mature disciples. Um, and he says in verse 29, I labor for this. What this was that, is Colossians what, 2? Colossians 1, 28 and 29. 1, 28 and 29. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, for a while now, I've just loved yeah. those two verses. Anyway. Yeah, huge. Uh, I I have one as well. It's kind of a ministry context too, kind yeah. of life life ministry verse context, and it comes from Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty four. Uh, it says, "But I consider my life as of no value to myself. Mm-hmm. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel mm. of God's grace." Mm, that's good. Very similar to yeah. what you read yeah. in, in Colossians one that. We have a purpose. Our purpose right. is to to point to the gospel of God's grace and to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this isn't something I just didn't wake up and think, "Hey, I think I want to be a preacher." Right. Right. You know, it's something yeah. I receive from the Lord Jesus. That's right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a motivating scripture for me. I, I always go back to in thinking about Lord, thank you for what if for whatever reason considering me faithful yeah. and calling me into ministry. Yeah. I want, to, I want to end well. So, man, what a great verse, man! That's awesome. Yeah. I love that verse. I preached that not too long ago uh, as we were going through the Book of Acts. Yeah, and man, it's so powerful. Yeah, it's hard. You know, maybe our listeners should try to boil it down to one favorite verse. <laughs> Let's see, see what they think. <laughs> that's about hard that. to do. They can let us know what their favorite verse is. That, so check us out right. on Facebook. Then you check it that way. That way. That's right. So we're gonna do our best to link out. Uh, maybe in the show notes, uh, to to keep the Baptist faith and message in front of you. If you want to read the statement for yourself and kind of mull on it, you know, after this um, podcast, you know, feel free to do that as well. We want to thank you for joining us. We're excited to be back in the seat and behind these mics, uh, really talking about how the gospel reigns over all of life. And what better place for us to start uh, than from the scripture, which is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. We'll catch you next time on The Gospel Reign. Thank you for joining us for the Gospel Reign podcast. We hope you've been encouraged today, and we pray the gospel will reign in your life this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or check out our website at gospelreign.com. Mm-hmm.